Welcome to Adult Fluent. I'm Kizzy, your host. Some say being an adult is like folding a fitted sheet, trying to make sense and order out of something that wasn't meant to be perfectly folded. The goal of the Adult Fluent podcast is to make your learning curve of life easier so you can become adult fluent and not only fold that sheet, but breathe easy knowing you don't have to have all of the answers because no one does. So you are in luck. Our guests include those who have appeared on Tiwa Gary V, an Ivy League professor who started out as a rapper, a podcaster with over 3.5 million downloads a month, a successful movie actor, TikTok influencers with 1 million plus followers, those who've battled depression and won, and real estate investors with tips to create a real estate portfolio from nothing and more. If you'd like to learn how to become adult fluent from real people with real stories and with real tips, you're in the right place. Otherwise, you might as well stick around because you've come this far. Let's get started with the episode. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Adult Fluent. And we're here with Dean Mendez. Our next guest, who is the Senior Digital Manager at Metro Trains Australia. Y'all heard me right, Australia. And he is the head of Digital Ways to Die. And he's responsible for Dumb Ways to Die. Maybe you've heard the song. There have been over 200 million views on YouTube. This is tremendous. I cannot wait to hear more, learn more, and for everyone here just to, to be in awe as I am. So welcome, Dean, and how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, excellent. I'm so grateful to have you here. So I am just so curious. Like, I, I got to know, and I know you've probably talked about this like a million times, <laughs> but yep. how did this all come together? Like, I, I had heard a little bit about the history, but like for those of you, for those that are listening or watching and have no idea, like, tell us about Dumb Ways to Die. Yeah, sure. So um, here in Melbourne, Australia, um, so obviously Metro Trains runs the, all the train network here in Melbourne. Um, we had a lot of issues around, you know, like many other, you know, major cities around the world with um, adolescents, teenagers and, you know, young kids taking unnecessary risks around trains. Um, and I guess we over time and years, you know, have been trying to combat that through different initiatives, different campaigns, different activities, um, and how to, you know, I guess get the message out there that, you know, these trains, they actually do kill um, people or they can seriously harm you. Um, and, you know, by here in Australia, we've got like these level crossings, like, you know, when, when the bells and whistles go off around, when trains come in and the cars have to stop, people seem to think they have enough time to run across the tracks or, you know, at train stations on platforms cross between the tracks on the platforms rather than go out and around um and they're just a couple of examples or even the horrible ones are like um you know kids that are train surfing on top of the trains while they're actually um <laughs> driving and things like that so i think there was um you know it became a bit of a social media sensation for a little bit or probably you know five ten years ago with um you know kids taking videos of them actually surfing trains while they were um, running so yeah, some pretty crazy stories out there. Um, but pretty much through our research, we figured out that, you know, traditionally you tell people um, 
through like yellow safety posters about the risks and danger. And it's pretty much a message of, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And through our research, we figured out that that doesn't have any cut through to the target audience of adolescents. Um, you tell them don't do something, then they're generally going to go the opposite of it. So I guess we had to find a way um, to connect with them and cut through to, you know, to their, what they want to hear and what they want to listen to in order to, I guess, reduce the safety um, incidents that we were having around trains on our network. Um, so I guess our pitch to our ad agency, uh, McCann, here in Melbourne, was um, anything that you've thought of in the past, forget about it and give us your most outrageous, I guess, pitch around how do we combat this issue. So I pretty much just remove all the shackles of what, you know, they've had to work with in the past to get um to come up with something and they came back and presented us with dumb ways to die uh which was a great i mean obviously it did really well but a lot of people don't know that the original song that you just said has 200 million views on youtube now um that was a 30 second iteration of the song so it took a lot of different concepts and trials to get to where it is now. Um, there was like a techno version of the song. There was just all these weird and wacky versions of it um, before it landed on what it is uh, today. Wow. And I guess basically we wanted our proposition to the ad agency was, you know, through our research, we needed to reach, like, you know, spread the message of safety through entertainment and humour. Mm. And it's so smart that you married the two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We just, um, we just, we needed to bring in the audience. And I guess that was through the entertainment and the humor part. And I guess having the animation was an easy way to talk about the really goriness and, you know, the death side of it in a way that at least could have a little bit of humor in it and people would be engaged enough with the message to get through to that, um, you know, to get through what we wanted to say. And they're, I mean, they're beyond engaged. I mean, how many uh, followers do you have on the TikTok page, for instance? Uh, TikTok, we've just passed 550,000. Um, that was a little bit of a surprise for us as well, because we only started our TikTok um, account at the end of last year. Oh, wow. Um, and we weren't too sure on how much of, I guess, you know, the traction that we would have as a brand still. Um, you know, we've come a lot in a way since... 2012 November 16 2012 was when the song was first released um and you know when we released the the original song in the campaign it was only meant to be for Melbourne but it went viral um overnight on YouTube pretty much and I think within the first week we had about 10 million or something views on YouTube um and back in 2012 like that was massive because you know organic reach um back then was huge and if you went viral, you were going viral because people were actually interested in it. It wasn't because of advertising dollars being spent, um, you know, to boost messages and to acquire users and things like that. So we felt like we had something there. Um, and I think in the past, maybe other brands or campaigns, um, when people have done like, you know, mocks of their videos and things like that, they've got them removed copyright and things like that. But we were just happy to see I guess the different iterations of it and have the message of it spread like you know we'd have school kids in america or school kids in europe and asia making up their own songs or you know even families engaging with kids um around the song so we just let it go go wild and we love seeing all the different parodies i think there's a game of thrones parodies 
um, of the song. There was a Walking Dead parody up there and things like that. It was all, you know, it all helped fuel the beast in a way. Um, and through our research, we saw that we had, it was about 38 million US dollars in earned media value um, in the first couple of months of the campaign. So that was through like um, radio stations playing the song um, as part of their content, not us paying for them to pay, um, play the song, you know, TV stations all around the world um, running news stories on it and things like that. So it all helped spread it. And I guess once we really found that it was such a successful and a beast of its own, I guess it morphed into its own brand um, outside of Metro. It wasn't just a campaign that Metro was running in itself. It turned into its own um, brand self-sustaining entity. Um, when the song launched, it also we also launched it on um, iTunes. And the crazy stat that we like seeing is it actually beat out Rihanna's Diamonds when it launched, and we were number two to um, Psy when Psy came out with Gangnam Style. So we were red wide at the top of that, you know, iTunes chart just because people were, wanted the song, they wanted to hear it, they were buying it, they were listening to it, they were streaming it. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, and it's such a catchy song. Yes, <laughs> you know how many times I've heard it. <laughs> it's, it's super, um, super catchy. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that was probably part of it as well. Um, there were so many different factors that I think all just played into how it went viral. Um, the actual campaign, when we were going to release it, I think it was on like an end of a week or something, it actually got leaked to our like local media um, the night before. And we're not, we still don't know to this day how it got leaked or whatnot. <laughs> Um, but I guess that helped it because that helped spurn, I guess, interest in it before it even came out. And then it came out. And then once, I guess, you know, the YouTube algorithm was picking it up, um, there was a lot of Tumblr content back in the day and Pinterest content that also helped it, um, fuel it along as well. Um, you know, Instagram wasn't really around back then. Um, so it was really that and sort of a little bit of Facebook at the time that helped push it. And how did you, you, you personally know about the importance of incorporating research? Because you know, your background is marketing and there's probably yes. people listening, thinking, okay, marketing, you get a marketing degree or you do something <laughs> with social media. Like what's this research thing all about? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the campaigns that we do because we're trying to elicit um, you know, a behavioral response and the people that we're targeting um, market research into what we're trying to do and testing different ideas, um, you know, A-B testing, we're going to do this this way or do this this way and then seeing what initial data comes back before we go hard with a particular activity or campaign um, really, you know, tells us what we're, you know, leads us down the path that we're going to end up at. Um, sorry, just one second, no my little no baby. <laughs> um, I'll be back in one sec. Yeah, no worries.
Sorry, um, no my worries. wife had a last minute appointment. She was meant to be back by the start of this call. So she no, just no, worries. no worries. No worries. Uh, where were we saying? Oh, yeah, so market research. Um, yeah, so definitely market research. Um, you know, when we have a campaign that we're going to run, it's not just, you know, oh, we came up with this idea out of nowhere. And then, you know, it develops out to what you see, what the people, you know, the consumers see out in the market. There's usually like um, a hypothesis that we want to test mm. and we give that hypothesis and that proposition to the ad agency and then they might come back you know with three or four different concepts and then we'll pressure test them internally um but to get i get to that hypothesis we've got the data behind it so you know we have a bunch of safety data here at metro that we that you know inform what we want to do we saw like a spike um in the amount of incidents that were happening so we call them the emissors um, so when a train, you know, might have an, you know, an incident where they've just missed hitting someone, it gets marked down, it gets all recorded, you know, what line it happened, what time of day, um, any more information of if, you know, if it was male or female or, you know, age, gender, um, you know, all those different things. So we have a bunch of data that we were using to, I guess, inform our hypothesis, which is why we ended up with that most of I. And what are some of the the trends that you've seen since releasing Dumb Ways to, to Die? Yeah, so we, um, in the initial, well, the, like the three-month period um, that we had after the campaign went live, we saw a 30 to 40% reduction in safety um, of those incidents, which was really um, big for us. So that was that was a really good stat to, to have. But then, you know, it's hard to keep up those measurements in time because once the campaign died off you know there was different things that come in like you know there might be an operational activity um, initiative that gets input that also helps bring the numbers down but then there might be something else that's an, an external factor out of our, our control that brings the numbers up for a week or two and there's different things like that so i mean the long you know i guess the long-term trend has been declining which has been nice to see but then, you know, every once in a while, it, it, it pops up again. Like, you know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, we had instances with kids trying to train surf again and stuff like that. So I think, you know, we, we hit the, the target of those kids that were there now, but they're obviously older and adults now. So we're trying to reach a new group of kids and we do that through different things um, as well. Wow. And what's the, you know, if is there like one thing where you're like, man, I really wish we could help with, <laughs> or is it just all <laughs> just the train serving alone? Um, I'm like freaked out. But is there like one thing where you're like, man, I wish more people would, you know? I mean, I think definitely from from Metro as a whole, it's it's the you know it's it's the near misses and the, the, just the unnecessary risk you don't have to take. So I guess jumping in between the platforms, running across the tracks, um, rather than you know taking going underneath you know the subway to get to the other side or going above. Um, and things like that. I think that they're the main ones, you know, and incidents at level crossings. So people trying to beat the train coming along because they can't wait the extra minute or two. Um, you know, it could be someone walking or running. It could also be someone in a car as well. So you see all the different things um, with it, that's for sure. I mean, but, you know, at the at the base of it, you know, Dumbways to Die and what it's, you know, built itself and grown itself into, we want to be known as the safety champions of everything. So 
I guess that's why the brand has still remained relevant and popular. Um, it's been, you know, we can adapt it to a whole lot of different things. Um, obviously, train, you know, train and train safety is at its core and what we do. But, you know, we've, we've licensed the brand to a Canadian life insurance company. So they were using it um, for their life insurance messaging. Um, we also licensed the brand to RTD in Denver. So Denver Trains and Buses were using um, the campaign when they were doing a bunch of infrastructure works to build new train lines um, around their city. Um, so that was a really good thing. We, you know, we're talking to Heathrow Airport in the past about potentially using it um, for a brand. We also um, did a collaboration with a company out of the UK called Playmob and they do gaming for good. So we use the brand for a the World Oceans Day message. So I guess like conservation, um, you know, of oceans and marine life. So, you know, there's there's a whole lot of different things that it can do. And I mean, it's all tends itself to what the target market is. So if your target market is around, I guess, something that, you know, Dunway today has awareness in, then you can adapt it to those messages for sure. And it's awesome that different organizations across the world are licensing it. That's right. Yeah. It's definitely not something that I thought would have happened when the campaign first launched. Um, who would have thought that us as a, as a corporation here in Melbourne would be licensing a brand that we created and have grown and sustained to, you know, a big American organization or Canada. It, even just having the conversations with people, I think is a good starter. Like, you know, safety in all different industries is definitely um, one of the one, you know, the top priorities for most organizations now. And it's easy to overlook it. I think people, it's just kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I'm supposed to wear my glasses or I'm supposed yeah. to wash my hands or I shouldn't train surf. And then it's like, you don't realize like you do this and then you can like die. Like it's like you, you know, like that, that connection there is, is often missing. You know, talk to us about the brand yeah. because you have, you know, you're you're doing the licensing, you have the website, you have all these characters. So talk to us more about what is what yeah. is all involved in the brand. Yeah. So it all started. So obviously it started with the song um, on iTunes and YouTube, but then we made like all the different parts of the song, the chorus and the verse into different little mini games for a gaming app. That was our first, I guess, big, you know, product development of Dumbways and we didn't really know what to expect out of it. So that first game launched in March 2013. So a pretty quick turnaround um, between yeah. the, the initial song launch, you know, five, six months. And that thing just went crazy. Like we were having <laughs> millions <laughs> of daily active users from all around the world, which was the crazy thing, you know. We thought, oh maybe, you know, maybe Western countries, English speaking countries, you know, would be the, you know, to be playing it the most and things like that. Um, but, but I think because our characters are a little bit like, um, you know, the minions characters, they don't have a language, they don't talk. So, you know, a lot of that they do is visual. And so you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to speak English to understand what they're doing or what, you know, what the message is, or just interact with them. So that game, the original game, you'd be surprised with how many downloads that it's had since its original launch. So. We, we launched the game on Apple and Google Play. So they're the two main platforms that we um, have the games on. And I'm just pulling up my numbers here, but that original game has done 150 million downloads on Google Play alone, and then another 100 million on Apple. So 250 million all up from that 
That is, that is, you know, it's, it's so amazing, not just because of the, you know, the, the trajectory, but it's also, I think, further amazing because of the message. It's public service announcement. It's not yes. like a game, like a celebrity's pushing or like a casino <laughs> game. You know, it, it's, 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 I think it's so cool that something so positive has millions of people interacting with it. Yeah, I mean, we, it was really hard to, at the time, you know, pull stats or data from around the world because it's not really, you know, publicly available. But I, I would love to see, or, you know, and speak to other organisations, at least within the train industry, did they see a decline in their safety incidences as well because it was just such a far-reaching campaign um, at the time. Yeah, that's that's so amazing. And you have how many? Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. So I was going to say, so once we, um, I guess, once that game went really successful, we just started churning out games, um, more games. And each of the game almost had a relation back to trains and train safety. Um, it had links to all our YouTube videos and stuff. And they all just keep going. They kept going gangbusters. Wow. So how many do you have right now? Because I know you have a lot. We have 11 apps in total. Okay. So we've got six free games, and that's like in the dumb ways to die genre. Then we also released four um, premium games that are under a sub-brand called Dumb Ways Junior. And the idea of those is that, um, you know, they're, they're for kids that aren't, you know, we shouldn't be exposing them to the real goriness and harshness of, you know, the, the message of Dumb Ways to Die yet. So... Dumbways Junior is aimed at, um, you know, kids between three to eight years old. And we have, like, I guess, subtle safety tones and messages within there before, you know, ideally we expose them to what Dumbways Dynamics messages would be. So, for instance, one of the games is called um, Dumbways Junior Boffo's Breakfast. And in it, kids get to interact and, I guess, cook and cut, you know, everything to make their own breakfast. And there's, you know, subtle safety tones in there, like the characters, the way they interact when you're using the knives or when you have the heat up too high on the stove and things like that. So I guess it's the subtleness rather than being direct with the message in that sub-brand. And that's so powerful in that, you know, so many kids, I know I have a friend and she talked about her, like, toddler helping her in the kitchen. And and I think, again, it's something you just don't think about of, of safety for children, let alone safety for adults. Yeah, definitely. Something we definitely realized as well, like, you know, because in Melbourne, when we were doing a lot of, I guess, you know, activations around the campaign and stuff, we were just seeing so many different kids of different ages, even, you know, outside our target market, just interacting with it. For example, we've got these life-size costumes of the characters which you may have seen on some of the TikTok videos. Mm -hmm. And we use them out like, you know, in Melbourne, they have the big fun run, which is like, you know, a big charity, you know, cause to try and get, you know, donations for kids and things like that. And we had the characters out there one year and the amount of like little kids that were coming up interacting with them, they knew all the characters' names, they knew the song. It was just, you know, it was just crazy. And I guess even from that, that's just a little activation, but also gave us a good insight into how kids younger than what we thought were interacting with it. And so that's why we sort of came up with the Dumbass Junior brand as well. And which character is the most popular? If, if, if you were to say one is more popular, the most popular. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think Botch is the most popular. So he's the one with the antlers, um, the moose head. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think he, there's probably about four or five that are definitely more popular than the others. So Numpty is one of the other ones. So he's the one with the hair on fire. <laughs> then there's Claude, who looks like a serial killer. He has the, the scary mask on. He's pretty popular too. <laughs> There's also Stumble, who was the one who was hit by the train. The, the pink guy actually had his headphones in. Um, he's pretty popular. And, I mean, there's, there's 21 characters in the whole brand. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of... And they all have, you know, the backstories of each character. Saying, yeah, the characters, they all have their different backstories. Mm -hmm. um, and each different backstory rates to um, a different safety element. Um, and in the world of dumb, as what we call it, you know, they live a life where they don't know about risks and they take unnecessary risks. And I guess that's where, you know, the characters are used because they're so naive to the different risks around just everyday life aspects. Wow. And then the, is the, does the same firm still create the characters and? Yeah, so we work with a couple of different, um, I guess, agencies for different things now. So McCann is definitely um, still our lead agency around all brands. Um, things with Dumb Ways to Die. Um, but then we have our um, game development studio based here in Melbourne that does all the work on the game side. So they're called Playside Studios. Um, and we, it was funny enough, we were using different game development studios all around the world. We used to work with someone in Canada, um, someone else within um, the US and didn't even realise that we had good creative talent in our own backyard. So, so we... <laughs> We found Playside through a mutual contact, which was funny enough through, um, it was a, so the people that do all our ads within our games, they're based in California. Um, and then he knew of this other guy that was here in Melbourne that ran the game. She knew he's like, I'm surprised that I'm sending an email to connect you two when you're literally five minutes around the corner from each other. Wow. Um, and that's pretty much how it all kicked off. And, you know, Playside, they're a big um, game development here in, here in Australia. They do games for some of the Hollywood movies, so like Spongebob um, movie, um, Jumanji, and a few other pieces like that. And then they also do all the development work for us. So everything that you see within the games now have been created by, by them and led from, by us from a brand point of view. Well, it's phenomenal. I mean, the games are, I mean... The look that you're playing them, it's, you would never think again that it came from like public service. It's so high end. Yes. <laughs> so high end. I love the games. Yeah. It's still crazy when I, you know, I go to the game industry, you know, conferences and things like that and you talk to people and they're like, wait, you work for a train company and you guys do this on the side? <laughs> <laughs> it's completely different. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, um, because, um, you know, me and my team, we're, we're all marketing people and that's what we've done. And we just try to apply, I guess, what we know and what we do, I guess, to this. And it still works well. So our social content feeds people back into our games. Um, so we actually don't do that much paid advertising or marketing at all, really. It's all been organic growth. And so that's been the amazing part. So like when you get like a feature of Apple or Google on the App Store, that's what's been the most amazing part of it. Like that's sort of free advertising in a way. And also, you know, now, but now sort of 
I guess, dynamics have changed where we do a lot of user acquisition now. So user acquisition to acquire users to come back into the game because we need people in it because from the advertising dollars that we spend, it gives us the money to reinvest back into the brand and do things around safety. So we don't get any, I guess, capital investment um, per se out of Metro. It's all just self-generating from the brand itself. And what kind of techniques do you use to make sure that they stay in the game? So... I mean, we, we do a lot of data tracking, so it's all database now. So everything around like, you know, tracking within the game, like, you know, the retention. So when a new user comes in, how long they're staying in, what's the sticky points, um, where are they falling off within the game? And there's different, I guess, when you start seeing the trends, we can start to test why they're falling off. Is it because they're seeing too many ads? Okay, if they are seeing too many ads, let's do an A-B test where we pull back as many ads as we're showing because we want to find the right niche where we're getting people to stick in it enough because there's a certain point where you stick in it and then they're going to go interact with different parts of the brand. So they're going to go watch the song on YouTube again. They're going to see all the other videos now, the content that we have on YouTube. Maybe they're coming in through TikTok. So they have never heard about Dumbway to Die before, but they've seen a crazy video on TikTok and now they've come back in to our links, our links into the game. And then they're seeing about train safety, seeing the train safety messages and whatnot. And I guess the final piece of it all is um, the merchandise. So we run our own e-store. So you've got like, you know, pajamas, the plush toys, stationery, pencil cases, everything that you can have for kids um, and even adults as well, um, all there. So I guess we, we touch on all the different parts. So you said like, you know, we did licensing, we do games, we do social content, we do the e-store. And I mean, I mean, they're all the major parts of it. And the last sort of funnel, you know, piece of it is for us is... Um, content and animated series so we've been trying to develop and work that out and you know potentially having like you know yeah angry birds so everyone knows angry birds angry birds would be like the pie in the sky for us um of what we could get to um you know they developed they started with a game and then the game went into content and animation it started with short episode series and then episodes got longer and then it went out into full-blown movies with like a hundred million dollars <laughs> budget and stuff to make a movie so i mean that that obviously doesn't happen too often but for us just to have some type of animation series on netflix or you know even just a local network here in australia to kick it off would be an amazing thing just to get i guess engage kids again engage a new wave of kids coming through and just have content that they want to engage with i cannot wait to see that i mean i think that's perfect whether it's netflix hulu Nickelodeon. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, so having it on a network like that would be amazing. But, um, you know, with content series, they can be very costly, especially for animation. And that's sort of the problem, the challenge that we're having right now is, you know, the dial shifted with YouTube, mainly with, you know, a lot of people when they were creating content, when YouTube was first around, it was all like, you know, animation or there was proper like production value going into it. Whereas now a lot of it is just user generated content. You know, people can have a computer, have a laptop, even have a phone and make their own content. And that's what's, you know, going out into the algorithm. Whereas for us, animation is very costly um, to create. So we're <laughs> trying to combat that challenge where it's really hard to stay with the consistent, frequent content going up, at least for YouTube, um, to engage the audience. And I guess, I mean, that's why we sort of pivoted to TikTok because TikTok, we could do stuff ourselves as you're saying, like a lot of the videos are homegrown, they're not animation and stuff like that. And that's what the platform's built around. And that sort of worked for us. 
when we did our TikTok channel, I remember I'm like, oh, me and my colleagues were like, oh, if we get 10,000 views on this video, that'd be pretty amazing. And then, you know, some of the videos you're watching, it's like 10,000, 100,000, a million, 2 million views on the videos. Like, so it still has a lot of clout yeah. there out in the market. It's amazing. I mean, because they're, I mean, they're entertaining, they're informative, they're, you know, visually appealing, there's movement to them. Yeah. Yeah, there's the music. I mean, they're great. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the brand allows us to be irreverent. So we can tackle different issues that maybe Metro Trains couldn't tackle as a brand because the brand's not, um, you know, in that way. So, you know, for us around the coronavirus, we could tackle a lot of different things around the safety aspect of it. So, you know, washing your hands properly, wearing a mask, um, if you are sick, um, sick, staying home, not infecting other people and things like that. So there's a lot of different, you know, things that we could have done and there was so much content out there it was so easy to create stuff that had you know a good purposeful message behind it as well yeah i love your content on covid i mean that's it's so needed <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's it, we did it around like you know the first wave so i think between april and june where maybe it wasn't as bad in the states as it was um here in australia because we were in winter compared to your summer but now with it, with it really rearing its head again, it's, um, we might have to think about some more stuff to get out there just to try and spread some good, wholesome messaging. Um, because about 70% of our audience is, um, comes from the US anyway, which is amazing. So 70? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we have a lot of, I guess, you know, followers and loyal fans in the States. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how and why, but you know, we'll take it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I remember the song. Like I, like I don't remember how, when, like, but I totally remember the song. Yeah, I'm like, I to I know this song. <laughs> the song is still like I was looking at stats the other day because like it still gets streamed sixty thousand times on Spotify a week. Just original song Remarkable. yeah and that's like as i said without you know general marketing to have your general awareness just out there all the time besides what we do you know just on the app stores with the games we're not doing much else mm -hmm. um, at the moment to sort of feed the funnel of content that's out there but every time like you know we release a new update within the game it suddenly pops up on on youtube like a game is doing a review about it or someone's just you know Cop, um, you know, done a screenshot of what the new content is and just put it up there and it is, it's getting thousands of views. So it's definitely still been interacted with. Wow. And just kind of going back to the merchandise, do you ship to the States, Canada, UK? Yeah, so we um, we ship worldwide. It's all based out of here in Melbourne. So we have our own warehouse here in Melbourne, um, an e-store team that run that side of it for us. America is definitely our number one market for sales of the e-store, followed closely by Canada and the UK and Australia. But then there's just like, you, you will get sales out of the Philippines or Mexico, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it's, um, it's, yeah, it's nuts. It's so wide reaching. That's awesome. What what is like the biggest misconception about dumb ways to die and and you know all that's been going on for you know these eight years? <laughs> I think maybe that we were just doing it solely for profit. Oh, like it's just a, a money you know a, a money funnel for Metro as a private business and things like that. 
but whereas a lot of people don't know, we're putting all that money back into, I guess, the safety messaging and getting that message out there in the community. Obviously more so in Melbourne, because that's where we're based and we have a footprint right. like we have our own. But, you know, with the different campaigns that we do and stuff and just the content that we um, create, like there's a lot of stuff that we do around, you know, like Halloween or Thanksgiving. So like, I guess, you know, big worldwide events, a lot of people know we try and tack on to those things because, you know, it's, it's a good message to be around. And, you know, I guess we think about the more people that hear the song is potentially the more lives that we're saving. Um, so it doesn't just have to be for Metro here or Melbourne. It's a worldwide approach. And what's been your greatest success or like you're what you're most proud of that's come out of that? <laughs> I'm just proud. It's just like every person that I've spoken to in my life, whether it's family, friends, colleagues, or, you know, people that we meet from different countries, they all know about the song. So we didn't have the marketing budget to reach that many people. Um, we never intended to reach that many people. But I think because the the premise behind it was so, you know, it was good in nature, it was wholesome, it was trying to do a really positive thing. It just connected with people. So that's been the, the greatest thing, you know, we reached millions upon millions of people, probably hundreds of millions of people with a positive message. And it was not to get any gain whatsoever out of it. It's just to protect people. Exactly. Save lives. That's right. You know, to help. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so, I, mean, I love this because it's, it's the greatest thing ever. I mean, it's, it's yeah. you know, it's. I mean, it, there's a reason why it was the most, it is the most awarded campaign like in ad history. So the amount of like, you know, at the top level ad awards, um, the canned lines and things like that, the amount of awards that are picked up and still does pick up awards, you know, minor awards for different things and stuff. Like it's, it was all, yeah. <laughs> and because we didn't set out to do it, we never set out to do it. We never set out for it to be like that. But I guess once you have something, you've got to adapt with it. Um, and that's what we did. Yes, you definitely did. We have moved to our final segment of mystery question from the fishbowl. <laughs> you get a mystery question. This sounds ominous. <laughs> Fishbowl with no fish, but that's okay. I'm gonna get one of these. Let's see. What question? It's one of our like kind of teal kind of papers. Oh, what is your biggest failure, and what did you learn from it? Ooh, it's been a, it's been a few. So our biggest failure was back in 2016, um, around the US presidential election, we created um, content under Dunway Thigh that was called Trump Ways to Die. So it was, we released a teaser video um, because I know there was a, the campaign messaging was um, make America great, you know, around that time. Um, so we were saying, make America safe again, um, in a dumb way to die form and messaging. And we then created all these videos, um, with the dumb way to die characters around all the silly things that Trump had done in the past. So there was like, you know, he was creating, um, you know, the messaging around the big war between us and Mexico. So there was like a funny video around these characters interacting with Trump and pushing the wall over on him. There was the one where, you know, there's, there's horrible stories about how he interacts with different women and stuff. So 
he was in an elevator going up and um, with another character from Dumb Way that was a female. And um, yet one of the, the scary Dumb Way beans came out and like, you know, did something to Trump because he, they thought something was going to happen. And then there was another video around Trump getting a tan. <laughs> and then his hair, his hair, his hair or wig, whatever you call it, jumped off and started attacking him and stuff like that. So I guess it was content around um, just trying to be on brand, on message with Dumb Way Sedai and trying to get onto a trend that was at the time and such a big story worldwide with, um, you know, the election. And because we, I guess, are aligned with a government agency here in Melbourne, um, we pretty much got a big slap on the wrist saying we shouldn't be, um, you know, getting into political um, here in Australia um, or the rest of the world as well. So we had to remove all those videos off YouTube. But when our videos go up on YouTube, people record them and they take them and they kept just popping up as parodies anyway. So I think they also live on YouTube somewhere now. But we had a full campaign planned around it. So if Trump was to win the campaign, we had a video ready to go around him just looking at the nuclear codes within the White House. Or we had another video where if he lost, the Secret Service would come out and kick him um, you know, kick him over to Canada, which funnily enough might happen for you <laughs> later. But yeah, I think that that was a failure for us because we could never get, we didn't get the campaign off the ground and also a failure because we probably missed the mark and we overstretched the brand too much. Well, I, I mean, at least despite it all, you know, the nothing horrific happens. <laughs> Some people still have the content, you know, it's a, it, yeah. it, you know, it's a great learning. It's definitely great yeah. learning. Yeah. I mean, and the learning for us is we, we don't want to be divisive. Right. Um, we'd rather, you know, bring people together with our messages and things like that. So I think whenever you go with political and there's, there's only, there's a very fine line that you need to go with um, before you start dividing people over your message, even if it's trying to be a humorous one. So it's probably something that we, we we may stay out of in the future. Yeah. You know, as we come to a close here, is there anything you wish that I, that you wish I asked or expected that I would ask and that I didn't? No, I think we, I think we pretty much covered everything. I mean, as, as good as we can, like trying to think, I think we, yeah, we pretty much covered all the bases of what we did and do do now, where it's come from, why it came from. So yeah, it's been great. It's been great actually just reminiscing and talking about it all again. <laughs> you sort of forget where, where it started, where it's come from. Well, I, I love it. And I know our listeners and viewers will feel the same way. And where can they go, Dean, um, as far as to not only learn about you, but dumb ways to get, die, TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> where should people go yeah. immediately? Yeah. I mean, we've got every, so everything's off our website. So dumbwaystodie.com. So if people head there, they can check out the merch on the store. Um, we've got all the links to, you know, all our social channels, um, all our games on Apple or Google. So I guess that's probably the one-stop shop where you can find out all the information about the original campaign as well, or get in touch with us if you want as well. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being here, you know, early in the morning, directly <laughs> out of Australia. I can't thank you enough. And I know the listeners and viewers will just really appreciate it and definitely run to TikTok too, to watch more. So thank you so much. 
no, thank you so much. We, I really appreciate um, giving us the time to come here and talk about what we've created. Thank you for listening to the Adult Fluent Podcast, hosted by me, Kizzy. Thanks to our special guests for sharing their story, as I know you found it valuable. Help us to continue to share our message by practicing SRS, which stands for subscribe to the Adult Fluent Podcast, review an episode, and share Adult Fluent with at least two of your friends or two people you kind of like. By subscribing to the Adult Fluent Podcast, you will receive the latest episode to keep you inspired and adult fluent. Until next time, remember, everything is possible.